Hello, the message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's Favorite House Canada. We pray that as you listen, God's light will flood your heart and transform you forever. Amen. You're welcome. God bless you. We're almost in the month of March. Hallelujah. So I have a question. How are uh, New Year resolutions coming around? I want to be just vegetable this year. How is it going? I'm going to exercise this year. How has it been? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, the word of God today to us today is very simple. And I pray in the name of Jesus that... It will find expression in our lives in Jesus' name. Um, like I mentioned last week, you know, the Spirit of God is one. You know, we thank God for the awesome message last week. It is time. It is time. It is time. How many of us are excited that it is time? Put hands together for Jesus. You know, and amongst other things, you know, we know that God is set to do something within us. Now, you know, the Spirit of God has, been, has given me this message, I don't even know how long ago, maybe about a month ago, you know, and... And he had given me the time to minister it. So I'd already put it for that, for today, you know. And, you know, I, I know that God has something to do. But I'm going to start the sermon today, or the message today, a very brief message, with a story. How many of us have heard of the guy called Archie Williams before? Archie Williams. That's A-R-C-H-I Williams. How many of us have heard of the story? Okay, let me tell you about the guy very briefly. I'm going to be reading out the story because I can't, I couldn't keep everything in my head. And I want you to get all the details. On the 9th of December, 1982, a 30-year-old woman was raped and stabbed in a Baton Rouge home in Louisiana by an unknown black male. On the 4th of January, 1983, so this is a month, less than a month, like 25 days after, a 22-year-old black male named Archie Williams was arrested as the culprit, a crime he knew nothing about. He knew he was innocent and didn't commit any crime. But as a poor black kid, he didn't have the economic ability to fight the state of Louisiana. During his trial, it was discovered that fingerprints found at the crime scene were not his own. Williams also had three witnesses that came forward to testify that Williams was at home sleeping when the crime occurred. And the victim herself wasn't able to identify Williams as the culprit, but succumbed after intense pressure by the police. The victim's neighbor also said the culprit was taller than Williams. Even with all these facts, Proving that Williams was innocent, the state of Louisiana convicted Williams of the crime on April 21st, 1983. He was sentenced to life imprisonment without a possibility of parole to a prison called Angola. How many of us know the prison called Angola? No, no. In the U.S., it's the biggest maximum security prison. It's the bloodiest. So the, the way it's written here is the bloodiest prison in the U.S., in the United States. A 22-year-old black male who committed no crime was sent to life imprisonment to a jail made for beasts because the state wanted someone to pay for the crime. This turned into weeks, weeks into months, months into years, and years into decades, with no help in sight. When he felt knocked down in prison, he would pray and sing to the Lord. And that was how he got peace in prison. William came, Williams came from a family of singers, and even in prison, he led music ministrations in the prison church, singing and praising God. A friend told him about the Innocence Project, an organization that helps people wrongly convicted fight for their freedom. He first wrote to them for help in 1995, 
at this time he was 35 years old. Remember, he entered at 33. At 22, sorry, he entered at 22. At this time, he was 35 years old and had already spent 13 years in jail for a crime he never committed. They took up this case and together with his legal team, fought for Archie Williams. During the early years in prison, Archie ran a successful boxing program in prison where he coached boxers to winning major titles in the state of Louisiana. But he gave it up to focus on his fight for free freedom. In prison, he never allowed the evil spirit of being wrongly convicted, convicted live in his heart. As he loved singing, he would watch America's Got Talent all the time and would visualize himself on stage singing one day. And to God be the glory, the day came. Now listen, it took Innocence Project 24 years to get the judge to allow them to search FBI's fingerprint database. And within one hour of granting them the permission, they marked the prints found on the crime scene to a man named Stephen Forbes, a man known to have committed many sexual assaults. So they found the real guy. Archie Williams was finally freed on March 21st, 2019, after spending 36 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. He went in a 22-year-old man and came out a 58-year-old man. He didn't sit down and cry over his wasted years. He decided to make something out of his life. In November 2019, he sang at the world-famous Apollo Theater in Harlem and made it through three rounds of their singing competition. He later flew to Los Angeles to audition for America's Got Talent, where he shared his story and sang and made it to the finals of America's Got Talent, but he didn't win. His story inspired Simon Cowell to become an innocence ambassador to help other wrongfully convicted people throughout the U.S. I'm rounding up. Music legend Elton John was moved to tears when he heard him sing his 1974 hit song, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. He called him on phone, invited him to join him on his tour. Yeah. He was also on Steve Aziz's show where he got $5,000 amongst other gifts. He's also due to a, due a competition of $250,000, which is nothing compared to how many years, from the state of Louisiana, which is not enough to compensate for 37 years in prison. What's the lesson from this? But Archie is living his life now. My question to us today is, what do you do in difficult times? Do you curse God? I mean, one thing, when I came across this guy's story a couple of weeks ago, one thing that stood out for me was his attitude. There are a lot of us that, imagine putting yourself in, put yourself in Archie's shoes. You are wrongly convicted. That's where bitterness starts. First and foremost, you'll be bitterness, you'll be bitter with every, in fact, anyone that comes around you. Because you feel like you've been wrongly, which is the truth. He was wrongly convicted. But go read about this guy. You can search him later on. He stayed, I don't know how the guy was able to do that. To stay focused on positive, to serve God. He said something that was an interview granted and he said my strength was God even while I was there. I thought to myself that if it were me, what would I do? For a lot of us, when calamity befalls you, when adversity comes your way, what do you do? What do you do? Do you curse God? Remember what happened with Job? When the affliction came, everyone told his, his, his wife, just curse God and die. So when calamity comes, when affliction comes, when adversity comes, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? I mean, from I'm God sees people like this, Archie Williams. I mean, if we can pull through and be positive, then what excuse do we have? What have we seen? You know what it means to be locked up for 37 years? Eh? It's meant to be grandpas by now, like have large families. Imagine coming out 37 years after. But with it, he still did something. There are a lot of us that go through little challenges and before you know it, you get depressed and that is the end of life. I don't want to even live this life. What have you seen? At times when we should be running to God, we are running away from God. 
I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. Who do you blame when calamity is before you? Who do you blame when you go through hardship? Do you blame God? Or do you run to God? Do you draw strength from God or do you curse God? And the amazing thing about it is, I always tell you guys, you better learn it now. If, if you like, go to calamity and curse God. You will suffer, suffer, suffer. You still come back to him. That's the truth. Because there's nothing outside of God. Your, the fact that you are moping and you are crying and you are cursing God, does it reduce who God is? God is God all by himself. He was God before you existed, before your great-grandfather, before your ancestors existed. He created them. So sometimes I see believers act like, I don't like entitled children. So we go through something, then we feel like, God, if you don't come through for me in five years, I'm not going to stop serving you. That's foolishness of the highest order. Who are you? If you don't come to our hey, stop serving him. Ah, he can raise stones to serve him. He can replace you in a heartbeat. You think you can sing and worship God. You say, God, if, you, if I stop, you will miss me. Miss what? God will restore us in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I need to just show us a few things in scripture. Then I'll just take us through something and then we'll be done. Say cast and leave. Say after me, cast and leave. We need to learn to cast and leave. Leave as in L-E-A-V-E. Cast. Cast. A lot of times when we have burdens, what do we do with the burdens? I've shared a story with all of us before of the person that had, so this person was carrying a very heavy load on their head and they were walking on a road path. And then a car comes by and offers the person a ride. And then the person goes into the car, but still keeps the load on their head. And the driver is like, drop it. There is enough space. Drop it. And the person says, no, you've done enough by even carrying me. Let me carry my load on the head. That is how a lot of us behave as believers. So you are a child of God. God is saying, cast your burdens upon me. But you refuse to cast it. You are like, it's enough that you've even given your life to pray, given your son to die for me. That a child of God is enough. Let me hold on to my burdens and sort out my issues myself. God is saying no. No. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 52 verse 22. I'm going to read it from two translations to explain this cast and leave on for us to understand. What does it say there? It says cast your burden on the Lord. Release it. And he will sustain and uphold you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken up. That is to sleep, fall and fail. What do you read there? He will never. Now let's go to leave. We are going to read it from that same scripture from the Passion Translation. So here is what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord. And measureless grace will strengthen you. Listen to me. You want to want, do, you want to, do you want to know when you start maturing in God? The time when adversity comes your way and you can still go to bed without thinking about it. You cast it to God. You drop it at his feet. Maybe you have a prayer altar. You've prayed. You've given it to God. Then you go sleep like a baby. You are becoming mature. For a lot of us, we are yet to be 30 and we already have high blood pressure. For a lot of us, we are young and <laughs> you, are, you are already thinking 20 years from now, 40 years. It's not, I'm not saying it's not, it's, you can't, that it's wrong to strategize and have long-term goals. No. But you can't be anxious. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. 
I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. And the challenge with us a lot of times is we do not understand how the devil works. We do not understand the ministry of the devil. Maybe we think, because I've seen people go through challenges, then God delivers them. Then they go through another challenge and they think they are finished. So it's like we think we should only have one challenge in our life. We think we should only have one temptation in our life. Because when you manage to fight that battle and you win, you expect nothing else to come. So when something else comes, for some people, the way they react to it is like, ah, they abuse all their strength. I thank God for, who gave that testimony about renewed mercy? Mercy doesn't expire. Toby, God bless you for that. No understanding that the mercy is renewed, renewed, the grace is renewed every day. You have the strength. Understand the ministry of Satan. So maybe let me explain to you. How many of us know that you can't kill Satan? Do we know that? Do we all understand that? It's not your job to kill. You can't kill him. You can only resist him. We know his end. Go read the book of Revelations. He will explain to you what the end of Satan is. You can't kill him. When he came to Jesus, what did Jesus do? He resisted him. I'm going to share something with you in scripture so you understand how Satan works. And you must resist him time and time again. He will come. See, in the midst of the calamity, he will whisper. He will whisper. And guys, the funny thing about this thing, when you are in between seasons of life, is when the whispers of the devil gets loudest. When you're in between seasons, you don't know what to do next. Like, okay, then the devil starts whispering. Are you sure you're even going the right path? Hmm. You're finished. Why didn't you do that one? Why didn't you compromise at that time? I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. So regarding the temptation of Jesus, I'm not going to read the whole scripture. You know when Jesus was tempted in scriptures? Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 4 verse 13, so when the angels came to minister unto Jesus, when the angel came to minister to Jesus, see what the devil now did. The Bible says, when the devil has finished every temptation, he temporarily left him until a more opportune time. How many of you are saying that? He temporarily left who? Until what? Look at another translation here. I think this is the message. It says, that completed the testing. The devil retreated temporarily, lying in wait for another opportunity. In wait, always around. What can I use? Who can I use? What thoughts can I bring? I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. If there's anything I'm going to take from me today, from this message today, you need to understand that God will always deliver his children from affliction. So as a Christian, the prom anyone that's maybe the message they told you was when you come to Christ Jesus, all your problems are finished. You never have any troubles. There's nothing like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know it's a gospel love people don't want to hear. Daddy, sorry, I don't want to ask you. Like, when you gave, after you gave your life to Christ, did you, you didn't have any problem in your life again? <laughs> that was the beginning. <laughs> they will come. But guess what? God will deliver you. Amen. So why do we act like babies when trouble comes? Ah, no, may I sleep or... You even think I'm not normal. I don't know, I've learned. That's how God has helped me past that. There's nothing. Okay, I don't want to even say there's nothing. For the devil throws another level again. <laughs> but we are not afraid. Hallelujah. Ah, the Bible says in the book of Psalms 34, verse 19 to 20, have this scripture. All of you go and know it. Note it down. Have it. So that when affliction comes, you go to the scripture. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. You know, if you go and preach to a new believer, don't use this scripture. I mean, go and preach to someone how to give their life to someone you are trying to mentor to give their life to Christ. Imagine I come to you, my sister, you need to come into the body of Christ. You need to know Jesus. 
Let me give you a scripture. And I'll bring this scripture. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Let's see if we run. <laughs> but look at it. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivered him out of what? Them all. So I don't know that trouble you are going through today that you feel like it is the end of you. God will deliver you. But you know the problem we have? We don't hold on to God. All of us are very... And I think as the generations are going, changing, the threshold is becoming shorter. In our own time, maybe in our parents' time, they could wait 10 years for things. Our own time increased to maybe 2 years. Now, it's like 2 weeks. <laughs> oh, pastor, I'm really trusting God for the fruit of the world or something. So, glory be to God. Let's pray. <laughs> 2 weeks. That thing has expired. The strength. Pastor, I'm going through this trouble at work. Let's pray. God will see us through. In two weeks, that the strength has expired. Hold on to God. Hold on to God. Till you see what you are looking for. Another translation says, even when bad things happen to the God, good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. God will be what? Your bodyguard. I love this translation. This is the passion translation. It says, God will be your bodyguard to protect you when trouble is near. Not one bone will be broken. The challenge we have a lot of times is we cannot hold on. We cannot wait for God's promises. We start looking for shortcuts. Remember, um, I mean, I'm sure my wife has, we've been through journeys. Remember the period for, that I was telling you that was during the abundance of rain, sound of abundance of rain. Ah, I'm sure if there's another woman, they may have left me. We'll remember that I will be on our, in our Mr. Bushy. I'll say, baby, I'm hearing the sound. <laughs> I could hear it. Like, I knew God was set to do something. You don't want to ask me how long it took God. <laughs> Why hold on? Why can't we not hold on? I, I see people taking shortcuts too much. It's too much. And it's a problem. You hold on to God till you see what you want. I don't know how many of us read the devotional of today. Please go and find time to read it. When I said today, I was just smiling. Hold on to God. Keep knocking till you get what you want. It's not the time to compromise. What else can I do? Let me help God. You cannot help God. The moment you begin to do, put your own efforts, you have thrown God out of it. God doesn't share his glory. Is someone listening today? And the challenge a lot of times is we want to understand God. You cannot fully understand God. Anyone that tells you that I know God fully is a liar. No, his ways are far beyond our ways. I came across a quote some time ago, but I lost the reference. So I'll just say it anyway. I don't know what the reference is. It says, the pursuit of knowledge doesn't mean we are to understand God. God is not there to be understood, but to be trusted. Do you understand me? You can't fully understand God, but you trust God. Trusting is what has brought us this far. And one amazing thing I can assure you is that rain that you are hearing in the clouds that you are saying God is said to do, you keep feeling it, feeling it, having dreams, revelation. When it starts to fall, it does not stop. As long as you stay connected to the principles, it will never stop. It doesn't. At least it's been falling for a while and it hasn't stopped. It's even falling more. Do you understand me? But this is something that was not falling. It's like the heaven was closed before. What happened? It was time and God delivered us. May God help us in the name of Jesus. In rounding up, I'll just give you three typical ways we behave as believers anytime we come in contact with 
calamities or with adversity. There are three kinds of people you can be. And listen, it's not like you'll be one all the time. No. Anytime you experience adversity, you're going to act like one of these people. And I'm going to be bringing, explaining this thing through the books of, um, from the book of John 11. I'm going to be talking about the story of Lazarus. We know the story of Lazarus. We are going to be talking about that. And I'm going to bring out a few personality, I mean, behaviors that we can behave or kind of people that we can be when we face calamity. And I pray that as we study these few things, people together, God will open our hearts to, to align ourselves and right in the name of Jesus. So let me start with, we know the story, right? I want to just bring something out from the beginning. John chapter 11, verse 4 to 7. He says, but when Jesus said about it, and about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Say, will not end in death. So it happened for the glory of God. No, no, sorry. That, that's just what I wanted to say. It will not end in death. You, you are doing extra. No, it happened for the glory of God. So that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, I have a question to ask all of us. Did Lazarus' sickness end in death? I, I, I. No, let's wait now. Wait. If you think Lazarus' sickness did not end in death, let me see your hand up. You have to belong to one side though. If you think Lazarus' sickness did not end in death, raise your hand up. Okay. So if you think Lazarus' sickness ended in death, let me see your hand up. Ah, no, this is not right. You can't be in the middle. It's not severe. No, this is not like a, listen, this is not an exam. You can't fail. I'm just trying to help us so that you know where you are, so that your husband can watch you, darling. Okay, you understand. So that when they write, when I now explain it, you can say, darling, you failed, though. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen to me. Listen, take this. Lazarus' sickness led to death, but it did not end in death. Do you understand that? It led. So listen to me. That calamity you are facing, Maybe led to frustration, led to failure, led to depression, led to anxiety. It will not end in that. In the name of Jesus. You need to understand the difference between led and end. That's not the end. So for some of us, you are in a situation where everything looks mumbled up and all that. No, that is not the end. That's just where you are now. It will end in glory. In the name of Jesus. And I'm sure... I'm sure the disciples were confused when Jesus told them he will not end in death. Then they will follow Jesus. And you know, Jesus told them he has died. Let's go. So they were like, what's this guy saying? But this guy has died now. But some things happened. Some things happened. So the first category of people, the way we can be sometimes, is the defeated. They are already defeated. There are some of us that we encounter issues. Before we do that, let me just read the scripture. Let's see how... Martha acted as defeated. This Martha, she has, she, I don't God will deliver her. And she's a wonderful person. No? The Bible says in John 11, 21, 24, so this was when Jesus got there, finally. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she said something that seemed pious. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus now told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, it will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. <laughs> ah, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that it will bypass your unbelief to deliver you. In the name of Jesus. I've seen situations where Jesus bypassed people's unbelief. Because that's what happened with Martha. 
He didn't, he wasn't discouraged by what she said. He still proceeded. A lot of times when we come in contact with trouble, what is our response? See, we have to be careful the kind of words we utter. For some of us, we inherited useless words from our folks. I am finished. That you are not finished in the name of Jesus. Ah, this is the end of me. That's not the end of you in the name of Jesus. They finally got in me. Who got you? Some of us are the people that call village people into our affairs. Do you know that? Ah, they have, I heard someone say, I'm like, what's wrong with this? What? Ah, Pastor, the village people has finally located me. Where are they? Show me. <laughs> and you are so important that you are the one that they are chasing up and now they didn't get you all this time. Ah, I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. There are some of us that when we get face adversity, we drop everything we are doing. Let me ask you a question. I mean, this is just by the way. How do you... You know there are kindergarten ways of hearing from God. Let me give you one of them. If your, kinder, if your way of knowing when God is in something is when there is no problem, you are in trouble. Do you understand me? So you are going on, God tells, you are going on a journey or you are going, going to do a project, then a problem comes, you say, oh, God is not in this one. That's not how to know. Ah, please, if that is how you hear from God or that's how you know when God is in something, very wrong. Very wrong. Very wrong. You need to go deeper. Know God more. Know God more. There are things you do. God has given you a project. Ah, when the children of Israel were going to take over the, uh, Canaan, the land of Canaan, what did they see when God told them to go and spy? This is God that, was, that wanted to give them victory. What did they see in the land? Giants. What God said, I have given you. But at that time, their mind, their memory became, they started having, what's this name of the sickness? Amnesia. So they forgot that it was the same God that opened the Red Sea. Okay, God, I'm not, it's not, it's not, I'm just saying that maybe now that I know this, imagine you just put me now and just boom me to that time. Me that I, the way I know God now, I'll just imagine that maybe God will bring the Red Sea from there and fly it and consume the old town, then take the Red Sea away, then we can enter. I mean, could they not be creative in their thoughts? Now, this is someone that opened, divided the whole sea and you walked in between it. It's not only you take the land that you are saying they are giants, they will kill us. Giants or Red Sea, which one is more? Giant at least you can escape, you can fight a little. Red Sea, who, who, who are you? With children that cannot, that don't know how to swim. And all of you cross the Red Sea. See, a lot of times you come in contact with issues. And you're like, oh, maybe God is knowing this thing. Please go and hear God well. I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. The first one is the defeated. And I think it's good I mentioned here that you should take note of this. The presence of giants does not signify the absence of God in a thing. Do you understand me? Understand that the presence of giants in a situation does not signify the absence of God. A lot of times, so God is there. Because, you know, anything that is good, giants will always be there. And now, sometimes uncertainty is a giant. Do you know that? God changed my interpretation of this a while ago because I felt, always felt that, oh, if God, because of the kind of thing, business I do, you know, you go into different markets. So I always thought that. When you go to a market and you know you see giants, that's when it's, that's the only time that is good. Then God took me to another dimension. He made me understand that uncertainty itself is a giant. What do I mean? There was a the time God was taking me to a, a totally different line that no one has done. I had no data. I had no no one had done that kind of thing before, right? So I didn't even know anything to compare with. That was itself a giant. So God is leading you to do something that's never been done. Some people will say, ah, maybe they are, they are giants. That not knowing what to do is a giant. Am I clear? I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. The second category of people are the doubters. 
the doubters, that these ones know God. They believe God. They work with God. It's still the same matter. It's matter that is the doubter in this case again. So this was after Jesus had persisted. I said, okay, let's go to where the tomb is. The Bible says in the book of um, John 11, 39 to 40, it says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. What did Martha say? But Martha said, or Martha, the dead man's sister said, protested. She didn't even say, she protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. This is the same Jesus that I've told you that I'm the resurrection and the life. So for the people that are the doubters, let me tell you where their problem arises. When it seems that God is coming through, then a giant appears. You've been applying, trusting God. God, I want a new career. I want a new job. I want this thing. You are charged. You've heard the word of God. The prophecy has come for so you believe God is going to do it. Then you apply for eight roles. Remember, you apply for eight roles. Then you get nine feedbacks that you are unsuccessful. <laughs> so that a company you didn't even apply to. Or maybe a company have applied to that have not started for six months. They just look at you, they just send it to. So you apply for eight rows, you get nine reject mails. Guess what happens to you at that point? You begin to doubt. That's a real giant. I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. Hmm. So you ask the pastor, so what should I do in that situation? Brace up. Continue applying. Uh -uh. Continue applying. That's all you do. And God will come through. When God now comes through, it will be a testimony. If you don't mind, you did. Come forward. I have to use this young man as a testimony because when God gives us results and changes lives, sometimes we should celebrate it. This young man, can I share a little? Am I permitted? God bless you. What year was it that you came? 2019, around August, right? Thereabouts. Ah. We should be taking more pictures. <laughs> Paul, that's why pictures are important. We don't have any picture of you when he came there, no. How many of you remember you did then? Eh? Paul had not come then. We'll go and find a picture. <laughs> I think he used to avoid pictures then. It was in a stage of his life where, I mean, I remember a time. So I, when he came, I felt God say, hold this guy, hold him, help him. So we started, or I used to counsel him, we meet from time to time. He was trying to put his life together. Like he came as someone that was lost. You know how the enemy can consume you so much and deal with you so much that you lose focus? Lost. Totally. Like, Oh my God. This thing, and I'm just thinking of it too. At that time, at that time, I'm just thinking of maybe a lady, and God says that's the husband. And the lady was in church. The lady would say, Never God, you are wicked. <laughs> at that time. But look at you do now. I know, I know. Okay, wait now. But that's what I'm sure this is also a message to us. You listen to God. God knows more than we can ever imagine. Listen, so, Yudi came, do you remember then? Yudi came, he was battling with different things. Different things. And we thank, I thank God for obedience. So, 
I remember when you applied for some doors and they didn't come true. I didn't see you did church for like two weeks. <laughs> so I reached out to him. I encouraged him. And I explained to him how you hold on to God. Do you remember? I don't even recall. How you hold on to God. Then we hold on to God, trusting God. Then there was a job that came. This is someone that had not been able to do any good job. He got a manageable job. Three months after that was when he got busy, right? And I remember those times we'll be meeting and I, the Spirit of God will come upon me and, I, me and I'll tell him that in a year's time, God is saying in one year, we'll sit together and your life will be changed. We'll be laughing at who you were then. My brother, after a year after that, where were you? I mean, when he told me the, the kind of job he got, it's the kind of job that people pray and fast. People that have been in Canada for seven years, they aspire to get. This one that came from the ground, God just lifted him like this. Then one time he called me and said, Pastor, I thought I want to discuss with you that I want to buy a Porsche, but I'm not thinking, is he, he was even in, I want to buy a Porsche. I said, ah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, yeah, okay, let's, so I, I looked at the financial with him. It was even less than, I mean, everything was good. Compared to the income, compared to everything, it was okay. I said, if God is leading you, please go ahead. Because he said, ah, but it looks weird that my friend, everybody will be like, my, you don't mask the glory of God. If that is what you if that's what you like and you are led to, my brother, are you struggling to afford the Porsche? No. But guess one thing, one virtue that I must commend at that time, holding on to God. Holding, it did not, see, if you had let go and gone back, you'd be in the streets. I'm telling you. But he held on to God. So the virtue we need to Impipe as children of God is holding on to God. God bless you. Thank you so much. God will continue to lift your head up. This is just the beginning. You know when you gave your testimony and you said the second job paid 40000 more than that first job? Ah, I said, I know what you did was very, was more available that period. The funds were a lot in his life because, I mean, that's how God transforms. I'm telling you. Like, I've seen God take people from the pit to the seat of kings. This is a typical example. Now, the fact that I said his own took one year does not mean your own will take one year. So your own might be three years. But your own can also be one week. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the important thing is God will always come through. Amen. Hallelujah. You can go and sit down. God bless you. Let's dance together for Jesus. For the work of restoration. For the work of restoration. So the thing about doubters is they will always get swayed by the presence of giants. If there are no giants, doubters will be fine. They will do what they need to do. But once giants appear, they get swayed. The last set of people, which I believe we will all belong to, are the trusters. Trusters. The trusters are the ones that become the restored. For you to be restored and enjoy full restoration, I mean, in different phases of your life, you need to hold on to God. You need to trust in God's ability. And hold on till you see it. I mean, I don't just have time to begin to explain to you guys how restoration works. Now, when I'm talking of restoration, I'm not talking of salvation. We know that we've spoken about that. I'm sure we all understand what that is. I'm talking of areas in our lives that look like pit situations. You know that scripture that says, when the Lord turned around the captivity of Zion, we're like, them that dream. Um, Ini, come forward. I don't know what's, I don't know if it's your family. Why is it just a family? Because it's what I've seen recently. It's been recent. I don't know what 
So, so this young man, this is the brother to that man. <laughs> He's all be witted. And you remember? You remember? But it was not your example I gave for someone that applied for eight jobs and got nine rejections. <laughs> but it was almost similar. Do you remember that time? But when it was going to come, there were many. He had to be chosen. And you asked, what did you do different? It's the same thing. It was just God's time. And then he called me recently. I'm not going to share details about call. But was like, Pastor, I have a good problem. <laughs> and when I had that problem, it was more of a testimony problem. I'm like, may this problem befall everybody. <laughs> God is faithful. Guys, hold on. I remember the times we sit in the office and he remember that we hold hands. I would say, God, please. At the time I was, I told God, God, you have to come with me. The way I'm seeing this boy, hmm. the threshold is expand, is going. But God took His time, and then God came through. And when God came through, when God comes through, it is clear that He came through. See, God doesn't come through in a mediocre way. Understand that about God. He comes through in a way that you know that Allah lo sheyi. Sorry that I used Yoruba. You know that God did this. Thank you so much. Sorry, I'm not calling anybody again. <laughs> Let's stand together for Jesus. I mean, it's a practical, practical cases. I'll have called that deal here out too. But if I start calling people, won't live here today. Adio years old, you see his eyes will be red. Ha! Let me see your eyes now. Remove your eyes. Let me see your eyes. Ha! I can't see his eyes be red perpetually. I'll tell my wife we are going home. Why is Adio his eyes? Why are they always red? May God not make you encounter troubles that will lose sleep, that will make you lose sleep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then that started getting Fortune 500 of our up and that wants to carry me away from London. God brought you back. They're not carrying you anywhere. Hallelujah. Be restored. So the Bible says in the book of John 11, 41 to 44, it says, so they rolled the stone aside then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they would believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in head clothes. And Jesus told them, Un- unwrap him and let him go. Listen to me. The Lord God, God has a word for someone here today. The station is just like Lazarus. The station is so bad that it is bound in grave clothes. It is wrapped in head clothes. And Jesus is saying, come forth. And that same Jesus is saying, unwrap. In the name of Jesus Christ. Listen. There's something called divine intervention. Divine intervention is when the God of heaven decides to interfere in the affairs of men. So there are things that physically or normally should be impossible. But when God decides to intervene, it changes the story. As, you know, it changes it totally. I mean, there are too many testimonies to share that if I begin to share them. I mean, not testimonies of people out there within us. I'll just be calling people out. And you'll see what God did in their lives. I want to encourage someone here. You are not finished. That situation you are in is just part of the process. It's one of the things that, you know, because of things that have happened in your life, they led you there. No, 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 no. That's not the end of you. God will deliver you in the name of Jesus. I want to just rise up on our feet and open our mouth for the next two minutes and call upon God. I don't know what stage of your life you are. I don't know what that problem is that is 
battling you, that is dealing with you, that is brushing you on all sides. God is the God of restoration. He's the one that has the ability to turn a thing around. He has sent me to proclaim to you that it is not the end. You will end well. That situation is not your end. People have told you, oh, you are single, you may be single forever. It is a lie. The right man with capacity, God will bring your way. For you as a guy, people have told you, who will marry you? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God will lead you to the flesh of your flesh and the bone of your bones. In the name of Jesus. For someone, they've said, oh, you can't get a good job in Canada. In fact, this London that you are is restricted. We restrict you. Nothing good will come out for you in this London. I proclaim and declare in the name of Jesus that the God that brings water out of the rock will begin to open doors for you. In the name of Jesus. For some people, it is sickness. You have held the sickness so much that you have said, okay, Lord, I will live to it with it till I die. God is saying, no, 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 no. That is not the end of you. That is not the end of you. You will be restored. It's just a process. You will be restored. It's just a process. For someone else, it's confusion. You don't know what to do. And you've been in a state of confusion for a long time. God is saying, I will give you direction. You won't be confused forever. I will give you direction. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. You are the God that restores. You are the Lord that changes the story of your people. You are the Lord that redeems. You are the Lord that takes one from the Marie Claire and you put them on the rock to stay. You are the one that has the ability to take from the prison and put in the palace. Thank you, everlasting Father. Let's just quickly place, uh, place your right hand on your head and just declare after me, I receive the grace to hold on to God. I receive the grace to persevere. I receive the grace to stand on His word. I receive the grace I receive the grace to invoke the promise in the name of Jesus. For a lot of us, you may look at your life and right now there is nothing, there is no adversity. I pray that God of heaven himself will equip every one of us. For those that are going through adversity right now, God will take you out of the situation. The same God that has delivered the various people in this assembly, that has changed lives around in this assembly, will change your life for good. I pray for strength for every one of us. That at the point when you come to, come to a stage where you need help from God, because of the prayer we have said today, it will send help to you. Father, we thank you. Honor and adoration we give to you, Father. Very quickly, I don't know if you have anyone here that is joining us physically or online, and you are yet to be a child of God. Listen, if you are not a child of God, you can't even begin to enjoy, to become a part of the restored. In fact, you can't take part in any of this because this is for the children of God. So I want to quickly give you an opportunity. You don't need to come out wherever you are. Just raise up your hands to God. And I'll say a word of prayer with you and you will be restored. For some people, you used to be believers before. You had a good work with God. But life happened. And you know you are not where you used to be. You are falling by the wayside. While we all close our eyes, I just want anyone, 
in these categories to wave their hands to God. So I'll say a quick word of prayer for you. If you are joining us online and you are watching us and you are saying, God, I want to be a part of your body. I want to be a child of God. This is a good opportunity to Father, we thank you. Just quickly say after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for dying for my sins on the cross of Calvary. Thank you for restoration. Today, I confess my sins before you. I forsake my old ways. I come to you. I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. I begin a new walk with you. Thank you, everlasting Father. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again. Honor and adoration I give unto you, Father. Lord, for everyone that has prayed today, Lord, I pray that you will accept them. Your word says that whosoever shall come unto you, that you shall, you shall in no wise cast away. As they come unto you, Lord, please receive them. Restore them and let your name be glorified. Honor and adoration we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Let somebody shout hallelujah.